So there is good in everything. And if you're gonna remember something, remember this, growth in the present, good in the future. Now let's change that word from bad in the present to growth in the present. If we change our mindset to growth in the present because we know that God is good, then we know that the future is going to be good. Soundstripe. guys, welcome to the Lord I Need You podcast. This is episode 8 of the podcast and it is titled My Three Truths. Now again, like always, I'll go into what that means here in a little bit, but my name is Casper Schiestel and I'm the messenger of the Lord I Need You podcast and I'm so happy you're here, so happy you're listening. Um, we got a good one for you. We just came out of a very intense uh, three-part series about the Trinity, so this one's going to take it a little bit easier on y'all. Uh, but I hope you still like it because um, the Lord has asked me to share it, so I'm going to share it. Now, before we dive into everything and explain the title and all that, I want to remind you where you can find this podcast. You can find it on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, of course. Um, thanks to my host, which is an anchor, which is by Spotify. Um, you can find it anywhere those places, even more uh, ones I haven't mentioned. But if you want to f- have updates and listen to little clips of each episode, because whenever an episode comes out, a clip will come out with it. Um, You can find it on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Just type in Lord I Need You, and it will come up right there. So yeah, before we get into uh, this episode, we're going to take a moment and we're going to pray. We're going to speak to the big man. Um, So if you are able, please bow your heads, close your eyes, put your hands together, and remove your hats as we Uh, speak to our Heavenly Father. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time that we get to spend with you together. Father, I pray for those who are listening that their ears are open, their hearts are open, and their mind is open to what you have for them so that they may receive in full uh, what you want them to hear, Father. I pray that if they're traveling, if they're on the road, um, that they're kept safe as they listen, Father. Um, put protection around them, Father, as they are moving about. Father, for me, I pray that I speak of you. I speak the exact message that you want me to speak, Father. I ask that you close my close my mouth if I'm not speaking of you. And if I am, Father, let me let it flow freely. Thank you for this time. We love you with all of our hearts, souls, and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's dive into this episode, My Three Truths. So really this episode was kind of difficult. It actually took me more than a few days to kind of realize what he meant by that because I he spoke to me on Monday that My Three Truths was the title of the episode and that's what he wanted me to speak on, the truths that I have given your family. And I'm like, okay, what are the truths that you have given my family? There's a lot of them out there. And so... Uh, It was hard to narrow them down, but the Lord reminded me of the three specific ones that I have had to remind myself and have been reminded of through these two and a half years 
um, these past two and a half years. I've been going through a very hard but growthful time um, with the Lord for the past two and a half years. And these are three things that I've had to constantly remind myself or have been reminded usually by my mother um, when I was struggling. And the first one is my mom would come up to me when I'm struggling the worst. She would ask me this question. She would say, do you believe God is good? And obviously that would kind of make me mad, more mad, because I knew the answer to that question, but I didn't feel like it. It didn't feel that way. And so I didn't want to answer the question. But we're going to dive into that question just a little bit, just scratch the surface, because that you can literally have a whole series on that question alone. So we're just going to dive in a little bit. The next question that I've had to face was, are his promises true? Again, we can we can do a whole other podcast, a whole other episode on that. And then the third question that I've had to answer is, is his timing perfect? Is his timing perfect? And so definitely the answers of these three questions are the three truths that he has given um, me and my family, and I know that he's going to give to you. Now, these are pretty personal, so I was kind of wondering why the Lord wanted me to share these on, a, on an episode, but I believe that if I have these questions, then I'm not alone in this, and if God wants me to share it, I'm definitely not alone in this. I know some of you have probably struggled with these same exact questions, so again, I hope that this podcast, this episode, just kind of nudges you in the right direction of finding an answer or inspiring you to go look for yourself to kind of dig deeper into it and find an answer, or hopefully this will give you the answer you needed. Um, either way, I'm going to talk about it. So if you don't want to listen, you can turn it off, but I hope you don't. I hope you stay. But we're going to dive straight in headfirst into the biggest question that we have here. Is God good? <sighs> is God good? The thing about that question is that it could be answered with a yes or no. It is technically a yes or no question, but a yes and no is based on your circumstances. It's based on the circumstances that you have gone through as a kid, um, as a young adult, just through your life will dictate what your response is if it's a yes or a no. So a yes or a no isn't necessarily uh, the best response to this question because it's very, it's very circumstantial. Now, if we want to understand this question more and probably give a better answer to it, then what is good exactly? Because good and bad are relative. Those are relative terms because good might be different for someone than it is for me. Bad might be different for me than it is for someone else. I'll give you a very light example. So when I'm on my run, there's a bunch of houses with dogs in the yard, right? And when I run past them, the dogs all just start going nuts. Right? They start barking like crazy. Um, they probably wake up the whole neighborhood. Um, so for me, dog barking, that's bad. I, I believe that dog barking is bad because of how annoying it is. Now, some people, and if I owned a dog, I'd probably feel this way. For some people, barking is good because it keeps away intruders. It keeps away, um, it might scare away thieves or anything like that. Right. So again, a simple example of good and bad is relative. The title good doesn't always, isn't always the same for everybody. But when you go to the definition of good, go to the dictionary and see what the definition of good is. Another word they use to describe good is righteous. Now, righteous is something we can really look at and kind of help us hone down what exactly is good. 
Because you can't just say righteous things and not do them. You're not righteous if you don't do them. Again, words are meaningless if there's no actions behind it. So to see if someone's righteous and to see if they're good, to see if God is righteous, to see if God is good, we're going to look at the acts that he does. Right Now, you can go back to episode six if you really want to see, or five, because those were part of the Trinity series where we looked at God in episode five and looked at Jesus in episode six, and we went through a lot of their acts. So obviously, you can go back to there, to those episodes, and hear about all the acts and see if they are righteous and good. Here, we're just going to go follow one story because we don't have time to go through all of them. But we're going to go through one story here, and it's going to kind of answer almost all the questions we have here. But we're going to spend the most time on this question, and this story that we're diving into is the story of Lazarus. Now, I know a lot of us who are Christians know this story, but if you don't know where it is, it's in the book of John, chapter 11, verses 1 through 44. That's 44 verses. I'm not going to read 44 verses to you, um, because that you can go do that yourself, and you don't want to waste your time listening to me read it to you. So, I'm going to give you kind of a synopsis of the story. And then I will have some verses that I definitely want to read to you um, as we go through it. So let's start with the Lazarus story. To answer this question, is God good? So to give you some background, Lazarus is a friend of Jesus. um, And Jesus and him are close, and so are Lazarus' sisters, which is Mary and Martha. All four of them are very close together. Now, Jesus is in a town nearby where Lazarus and Mary and Martha live. And so Lazarus ends up getting very ill, very, very sick, like close to death sick. And so Mary and Martha know that Jesus is in the town close by. And so he runs. they run over to the town, Mary and Martha do, and they journey over to find Jesus and to ask him to come save his friend, right? And to come heal him because we all know that Jesus, they all knew that Jesus could heal anybody. And so Mary and Martha run on over and they find Jesus and they grab Jesus and they're like, Jesus, we need your help. Your friend Lazarus is sick and ill and he's dying. And we know you can save him, so please do. And I want to read you Jesus' response. So this is uh, verse 4 of chapter 11. And Jesus says, But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. That's the key. Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so the Son of God will receive glory from this. That is Jesus' response. So even though Mary and Martha would love for Jesus to just snap his fingers and Lazarus be healed and they walk back and be like, hey, what's up, right? He's waiting at home. He's like, where you all been? But no, he just says he's not going to die. He doesn't perform a miracle. He just speaks truth and allows him to go. So Mary and Martha, uh, knowing who Jesus is and knowing and seeing all the miracles that he's done before, they believe in him. They have faith in him, right? So they head back home. Like, well, okay then, great. Jesus said he's not going to die. He's not going to end in death. So we're good. They head back home. And when they head back home, and they make the, all, the journey all the way back to their house, they find that Lazarus has died uh, and that he's passed away. And so now the confusion and the anger and the frustration start to set in with Mary and Martha because they know who Jesus is. They know he's not a liar and they've seen him perform miracles before. So why didn't he perform this one? What's, what's going on here? And one, their brother is dead, and it was Jesus' friend. And his family and friends also know Jesus and are doing the same thing. They're having 
they're struggling in their faith, wondering who Jesus really is. He, is he a liar? He isn't, but this feels like he is. Um, and then when word gets around that Lazarus has passed away, his own disciples, Jesus' own disciples, start questioning and start having doubt in their faith and doubt in Jesus. And so Jesus, getting very frustrated with this, because, again, he knows the future, him getting frustrated with all their doubtfulness, he decides, okay, he waits four days. He waits three and then makes the journey back to his friend Lazarus's house. And to mind you, this journey heading back to this town, this same town he just came from. So he's pretty much turning around and going back. Now, before he left, the people in that town tried to stone him um, for, the things him for the things he was saying. And so first the disciples are like, yo, yo, we're not going back there because they almost tried to kill you. And goes, well, Lazarus is dead and I need to go back. And all of them are being very doubtful in their faith. I need to go back. So they end up making the full day journey back to Lazarus's hometown. And by this time, it's been four days since Lazarus has passed, right? Since he died. And Mary and Martha come up to Jesus and are distraught. Of course, right? Their brother just passed and Jesus gave them hope that he was going to live and now he's dead. So obviously this question of is God good, it's not looking so good, is it? It's not looking so good right now. So he gets there, Mary and Martha are distraught and they come up to him and say, why didn't you just come back with us? Why didn't you just come back to our home with us and heal him? You could have, if you were here, you could have healed him. And so she's kind of letting it out on Jesus, but then she pauses for a second, kind of takes back, retracts herself, and calms herself down and goes, okay, you are Jesus. You are the Son of God. I trust you. I know that's all for a reason. I know he's going to be resurrected again, and he's in heaven right now, and that's all that matters. I'll see him again, you know, when I pass. But Jesus stops her and goes, no, I said this is not going to end in death. Why don't you believe me? She goes, well, he's dead. And then watch what Jesus ends up doing. So we're going to go to verse 40 through 44, and we're going to see exactly um, what Jesus said. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bounded in grave clothes, his face wrapped in head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. So as Jesus does in his very Jesus-like fashion, he brings Lazarus back to life. He performs a miracle in front of all their eyes and brings truth to his words that Lazarus would not die. This would not end in death. Now, the cool thing about this that I want to hit on is that, so again, wait, well, if we go back to the question, is God good? So far, it's looking good, yes, but there's a bad part in that, and I want to explain this bad part that we all think is, you know, like, why did why did Lazarus have to die? That's obviously not good. Well, let's, let's talk about that for a little bit. First, let's talk about how Jesus Christ waited three Actually, four days specifically. He waited four days, and there's a specific reason why Jesus waited four days. Um, he spoke that Lazarus wasn't going to die, and then he waited four days to go back and bring him back to life. 
Now, the reason why he waited four days was because back in this time period, of course, they didn't have the technology that we do now. So they would accidentally bury people alive thinking that they're dead because they, you know, they didn't know about um, comas and they didn't know how they didn't know how to read people to see if they were actually still alive. And so they wait in this time period, they started to wait three days. And if the person was still dead by the end of the third day, then they would clarify them as officially dead and start wrapping them um, and preparing them for burial, right? So Jesus waited specifically three days, knowing that this was going to happen, knowing that Lazarus was going to die and Jesus was going to have to, and he was going to have to perform a miracle and bring him back to life. He waited three days so that everyone knew officially, by the worldly standards, Lazarus was dead. And he did this on purpose. He did this on purpose for the good of everyone that was witnessing all that was happening for Mary and Martha, for their friends and family, for the disciples. He promised and said that this wasn't going to end in death. And then it does. So obviously it's a struggle for everyone that's under trying to understand Jesus. Then he comes back and says, if you just believed, if you just had faith in me, you would see, you would see this. And he brings Lazarus from the dead. Now, where's the good in that you say? The good is the growth that Mary and Martha went through, that the disciples went through, that the family and friends of Lazarus went through, watching Jesus perform a miracle in front of their eyes and seeing their doubtful faith be wiped away. Their doubtfulness be wiped away and their faith be renewed and strengthened after going through a struggle. Now, one thing that's very common for us since we do live in the present, we don't know the future, and that's where we should be. We should be living in the present. We shouldn't dwell in the past, and we shouldn't dream and live. try to live in the future. For where we belong is in the present, right? Now, a lot of times, the present is bad. The present isn't good, right? You lose a family member. In that present moment, life is awful. You go through a divorce. Either you're being divorced or your parents are being divorced. That present is bad. Living in that present moment is bad. I mean, I can I can go on and on. The present can be a very hard place to live. But we're not omnipresent. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, God of the universe, is omnipresent. He knows the past, the present, and the future. He is the future. And so since he knows the future, and since he is good, and wants what's good for you, He's going to take care of the future. And we don't have to worry about the present. We don't have to worry about the present that's bad and that's hard. All we have to know is that God is good. Through the word, through the evidence in the word, through this story alone, we know that God is good. And we know that what he has for us in the future is good. I mean, in the present of Lazarus being dead, of course Mary and Martha didn't think it was anything was going to be good from this. Their brother just died. But Jesus knew the future. He knew he was going to raise them back from the dead, and he knew all the growth they were going to have to go through for their faith. And they were going to be stronger. Their faith was going to be stronger because of it. So there is good in everything. And if you're going to remember something, remember this. Growth in the present. Good in the future. Now let's change that word from bad in the present to growth in the present. If we change our mindset to growth in the present because we know that God is good, 
then we know that the future is going to be good. Growth in the present, good in the future. Now, yes, some are going to say that, you know, this was the word, this was, this was hundreds and thousands of years ago. This has nothing to do with us now. Times have changed. It's different. I don't see any good things coming out of the things I grow through in my day. And I want to share a story that I was given about the same exact thing of it being bad in the present, but then seeing the good in the future. Now, the name of the person wasn't didn't want to be shared. So this is going to be Leah Lively's friend. Because Leah Lively is a friend of this woman and her story. So her friend um, was pregnant. She was pregnant with a baby boy. And the pregnancy was going great, right? It was a normal pregnancy. Um, the nine months went smoothly. Nothing out of the blue, nothing crazy. So everything is normal. And so when it came to actually giving birth... Um, complications starting to arose and at the birth became very challenging. Now the baby ended up getting born, but once the baby was born, it was diagnosed very quickly with a tragic diagnosis. Now we were not shared what the diagnosis actually was, but it was life-threatening uh, to the baby. And so from an easy pregnancy to a challenging birth to a tragic diagnosis finally came the baby ends up passing away. Her little baby boy, after four days, ends up passing away. After kind of the shock fades away and the funeral ends up passing, the mother starts going through a lot of questions, asking the same exact question that we're asking right now, is God good? And how can he be good when her baby boy was taken from her four days after she met him? And I completely understand that. How could, it, how could God be good in that time, in that situation? But remember, God is the future. He knows the future. And he loves you and he wants what's best for you. Now, how could that be best? Keep listening. So, due to this grief and after the mother kind of brings herself back from uh, the grief of losing her baby boy, she dedicates herself to training and becoming a counselor. She becomes a counselor for mothers who are going through the same thing, who are going through challenging pregnancies or who have lost a baby um, due to giving birth or to a terrible diagnosis. Anything surrounding that nature, she, was a tr she became a trained counselor for those women. And she also was able to uh, she was also able to save many babies' lives um, through counseling these women, going through challenging pregnancy, pregnancies who were thinking of abortion and were ready to give up on it all. She was able to counsel them through it and able to save many babies' lives and allowing them to be born and to be brought into this world and to allow them the opportunity to meet the Lord in the future. And she was able to Christianly mentor to these mothers. So I'm saying all this because if her baby didn't pass away four days after it was born, she wouldn't have been able to save the countless number of babies that were about to be aborted. She wasn't able to save the mothers emotionally, spiritually, when they were going through their pregnancy. Because she wouldn't have, she wouldn't have gone through it herself. Now I know it's a very dim picture of pain and a young baby boy passing away so early, but yet the growth 
that she went through spiritually, emotionally, and the blessings that she was able to bring, that the Lord was able to bring through her to other mothers, to keeping babies alive. I mean, if she didn't go through this, then there would be countless more babies dead because she wouldn't be in that position. There is good in the future. Now, I know some are asking, why, why doesn't God just end all this suffering? Why doesn't God just end all this pain? He will one day. But here's the thing. There would no need to be a heaven if everything was perfect here. If everything was perfect here and there was no pain, then there would be no growth for us. There'd be no reason for us to grow because we would be good. We'd be fine. There'd be no pain. We only, we only grow in pain. And there would no need to be heaven because this would be it. It would be perfect. And when there is good, there is evil. And this is the evil's prowling grounds. This is where evil lives and thrives on this earth within each of us because we are born sinful due to the fall of man. So this is where he prowls. So when he he pounces on you and attacks you, this is where he's going to do it. He can't get you up in heaven, but he can get you here. Now, the Lord, yes, can take that all away. But if he did take all that away, then there'd be no reason for us to even be here. There'd be no reason for us to grow. And if we don't grow, we can't become exactly who God made us to be. This is a naturally bad world, and we are naturally sinful people, but God is naturally good. Is God good? Yes. He is a hundred times yes, because he uses the naturally bad things and the naturally evil things in this world. He uses them for his good anyway. The bad things are going to happen, but because of God, he can turn it all around and turn it into a blessing and turn it into good for others and for ourselves and to grow us spiritually, emotionally, so we can become exactly who God knew we could be and created us to be. So is God good? I think yes. Go research in his word and see if he is actually good. Now we're going to go into the second question. Are his promises true? Are his promises true? That is it's a good question. But fun fact for those who don't know, there are over 3,000 promises within the scripture. 3,000 promises made in the scripture. Now you can go back and do your research and find that many of the many of the of the promises given have been fulfilled through just the time frame of the book itself. Also, some are being waited to be fulfilled and have not been fulfilled yet. But we are going to go through just 10 because I don't want to read you 3000 promises. I don't think any of us have time for that at the moment. But I'm going to go through 10 promises that God gives us. And if you want, I would encourage you to pause it as we go, because there are promises in the verses of those promises that I'm going to read. But as we go, I would encourage you to pause it, or while I'm speaking, think of yourself if God has answered this promise to you. Has God answered these promises to you? So let's dive right in. We're going to go through the first promise is God promises to strengthen you. Has he strengthened you? Has he given you the strength to get through the hard times, the bad times in life, the bad present for the good future? Like he strengthened Leah as she 
Leah's friend as she went through uh, losing a child and then coming out the other side and doing something about it? Has he strengthened you? For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Ephesians 3, 14 through 16. Through his Spirit, through God's Spirit, he can strengthen you through his Spirit, because you have the Spirit of God within you if you have received your salvation. And through his spirit, which lives inside you, he can strengthen you. Promise number two, God promises to give you rest. God promises to give you rest. Have you felt rest in a world that is chaotic, in a world that is filled with evil on a day-to-day basis? Have you found that rest in him? Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30 Now I want to read that last part. And the burden I give you is light. Now I want to say, yes, the evil one brings the evil inside of our day-to-day. We bring the evil. We accept the evil in our day-to-day, and that's called sin. Now, the burden that he gives us is light, the burden that happens because of sin, and the burden of growing in it, and the burden of growth spiritually and emotionally to come out the other side, to see the good in the future, that burden that he's given us is so light because we deserve so much worse. Through grace and the death of Christ on the cross for dying for our sins, we deserve more than we can bear. But he gives us grace and gives us only what we can handle. Promise number three, God promises to take care of all of our needs. And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 19. Now I want to highlight the last word because we tend to mix the word up. God promises to take care of all of our needs, not our wants, our needs. Easy reminder, and you're probably like, I know, Casper, I know. But it's a reminder that we all need, including myself, need to remember. It's what God will promise to take care of our needs, not our wants, our needs. And sometimes we don't even know what we need, but he'll take care of it. We're going to skip promise number four. We're going to end with promise number four. So we're going to jump to promise number five. God promises to work everything out for your good. We were literally just talking about this. There's good in the future. There's good for you in the future, and he makes that promise to you. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them, Romans 8, 28. Everything's for his good. The bad present, the growth present, is going to turn into a good future. If you remain if you remain with him and follow him. Promise number six, God promises to be with you. I will not fail you or abandon you. This is my command. Be strong, courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1, 9. I have that verse printed, tattooed on my chest um, with the Hebrew wording of Rakshazakamatz, which is be strong in the Lord. He is with us. He will not leave us. 
He's to give us strength, and he's to protect us from evil and from the things we cannot bear. Promise number seven, God promises to protect you. I just said that he's here to protect you. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. Psalms 91 two. He is our protector. He loves us. He loves us so much that he wants to take care of us. Has he protected you from things worse? Most likely. Of course he has. Not most likely. Yes, he has. I can answer that one for you because I know he's done it for me and I know everyone I've known he's done it for. Promise number eight, God promises freedom from sin. This is like the biggest one. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. 1 John 1, 9. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. John 8, 36. God promises freedom from sin. That's the whole reason why he came to this earth in a a human form and died on the cross to take on all of our sins so we can just ask for forgiveness. Lord, forgive me. And he responds, son, I forgive you. And then he forgets. And we have the option to grow and move forward so we can receive everything and all the good in the future that God has for us. Promise number nine, God promises that nothing can separate you from him. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, 38 through 39. The evil one is not more powerful than God. He never will be. God is always the most powerful thing we will ever know. And because of that power, nothing can separate us from it, especially when we have, when we've received our salvation, have his spirit within us. If you have his spirit within you directly and all those who have received their salvation have this, then there's no way that you can be separated from him. Evil can try to pull you away as much as they want, as much as he wants but he will never succeed completely for the Lord will always be there within you. Now you can totally forget about him. You can totally shun your eyes from him, but he's still there. He hasn't gone anywhere. As a lot of us do, a lot of us look away from time to time. And some of us look away for a very long time. But if you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior and received your salvation, he's not going anywhere. And he still loves you no matter what. Even though you're shunning him, he still loves you uncontrollably and wants you back to him. Promise number 10, God promised you everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. John 3, 16. We all know that one. You will have eternal life. You receive your salvation. Just as the Holy Spirit brought Jesus From the dead, through God the Father, so has the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, which is God's Spirit that dwells within us. I've been saying it on repeat this whole time, will bring us back to life, to heaven, once we pass in our earthly bodies. And you will live forever, everlasting life in heaven with the big man himself. So we're going to go end on the last promise, promise number four, because it relates to what we've been talking about. God promises to answer your prayers. 
God promises to answer your prayers? Are his promises true? Well, according to right here, it is. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Matthew 7, 7. His promises are true. You can go through the word and find the 3,000 promises that he's made and watch all those that have happened come true. Now, I have a personal story because, again, I know a lot of you are like, well, that's in the Bible. That's not now. It's different now, which I highly disagree. But I have a personal story of where a promise he made to me came true in a very unlikely way. Because I also want to talk about how he answers you in four different ways. Yes, no, not yet. Yes, no, and not yet. Or a not yet that feels like a no. So there's a yes, I answer your I answer your prayer. No, I don't answer your prayer because it is not of me. Or not yet, you will have it in time, just not now. Or you will have it in time, just not now, but we receive it as a no. Now this last, the very last way he answers was the way I was answered. Not yet, but it felt like a no. So back in eighth grade, well, all through high school, actually, and today, I mean, still, I play lacrosse. I love the sport of lacrosse. It's the sport I play, and I played it from fifth grade through high school. Um, I've been practicing and training. I just had a training day today, um, and I'm training, and hopefully we'll be playing in college. Um, I would love just to walk on and play as long as my body lets me play because it's a very physically demanding game. But I love the sport of lacrosse, and I was... When this happened, I was in eighth grade going into my freshman year of high school. So I was entering high school and I wanted to play lacrosse and I obviously wanted to play on the varsity team, right? That's every lacrosse kid's dream is to play on the varsity team. And especially mine, because in our school, um, our public school, which was Clarkson High School in Michigan, it was one of the top rated, if not the best public school in the state. Um, and a close second, or we would battle back and forth, was our rival, Lake Orion, which was literally the next town over. Um, so it was us and Lake Orion, which were the top kind of public schools um, in the state. And there was a few others that were really good, too, that had good years. But um, we were highly regarded. And then, obviously, the private schools are on their own league because they can recruit and public schools couldn't. But anyway, I was an eighth grader. Going to my freshman year, and I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to be on the varsity team. I wanted to try out and make the varsity team. And our class was huge. Our eighth grade class was huge coming to lacrosse because again, lacrosse was kind of new back then. It still is, but it's a lot more popular now. But we had at least thirty eighth grade lacrosse players that wanted to come in freshman year and play high school ball. And that was a lot for lacrosse, um, and especially in Michigan. And so, and so we just had a senior class, my year entering, the senior class leaving just left a bunch of seniors. So the team had some spots to fill. So they had at least three they were going to pull up, maybe four uh, freshmen, which was unheard of in the program. Because usually in the program, at least when I was on varsity, there's two at most pulled up, one and a zero. So one year there was two, one year there was one freshman pulled up and one year there was no freshman pulled up. So it was very kind of the average was about one freshman a year gets pulled up for uh, tryouts after tryouts. Right. And um, 
So it's very unheard of. So getting three is a huge deal. Um, four was like probably not, but if there is a fourth, maybe just because we have a spot open. And so there was 30 of us. There's 30 of us going into this tryout. Um, and I was one of the top four freshmen, um, thanks to God, thanks to just the ability that he's given me. Um, I was one of the top four freshmen uh, that were expected to go and make the varsity team. Now, the reason, one of the reasons why was because I had the defense, I played defense, I had the defensive coach as my summer ball coach. So not for the season, but for summer ball, he was my coach and he saw the way I played defense, he liked it and he wanted me up on the varsity team. So he asked me, are you trying out in the fall or in the spring? Are you trying out in the spring for the varsity team? And I said, yes, of course, right? And he said, good, I'll see you then. And so trouts are coming close and everyone's like, okay, so everyone's making their bets who's going to make it. And I was one of them. And uh, I'm getting home a few days before trouts, feeling good, uh, feeling ready. And the Lord told my mom, and my mom hears his voice audibly as, I, as the gift that he has given me as well. Um, and she told my mom, and he told my mom that Casper is not to try out for varsity. I will pull him up to varsity in my perfect timing. And I promise I will pull him up to varsity, but you will see my glory and my goodness. And so she relays that message to me and I'm pissed. I am so frustrated because one, my dream is to play varsity. I mean, at the time as an eighth grader, right? You want to play varsity ball, right? As soon as possible. I want to be a four-year letterman. I wanted to, I wanted to have that accolade and, you know, as a going to be high schooler, that meant a lot at the time. And, and, you know, I was super frustrated and it was bad. You know, I felt that God was doing me dirty. Honestly, I felt like he wasn't good because he was holding me back from something I knew I could do, you know, because that's all I could see in the present because I can't see the future. And so I'm frustrated and I'm also like, well, you know, public image is important to you in eighth grade, right? And so, and all through high school. And so like, what am I going to say to my friends? What am I going to say to my teammates? I mean, they're going to ask me why I'm not there. And so I made this dumb, I made this dumb excuse of why I'm not going, which isn't true, but I didn't want to, I couldn't tell them in my mind at the time, I didn't think I could tell them, you know, oh, cause God told me, you know, cause most eighth graders would think that's crazy, which I did as well. And, but, but how my parents raised me was to follow the Lord when he says something, we're following it. So that's kind of how it ran in our family. And so I'm frustrated. Tryouts come around a bunch of, bunch of the 30 try out for, for the varsity team. And I, and I don't, I follow the words of the Lord and I just try out for JV and everyone who doesn't make varsity goes on a JV. And so I knew I was, you know, I knew I was going to make it. And so I made it as everyone does. And, uh, and I'm on JV and some of the guys that, that came after the tryouts was like, yo, the defensive coach was asking where you were. And so I gave my not real excuse to him. And uh, that was about it. And so, you know, the classic, well, if he doesn't want to try out, he doesn't want to be here, then we don't want him sort of attitude that the coaches had on varsity, which I don't blame them. Um, I would have, I would think the same thing. And so I go out on, go out on JV and I experience a lot of bullying on JV. Um, I experienced a lot of bullying because I'm a nice kid, um, I love Jesus, and I wasn't afraid to say it, and I was a good lacrosse player. 
So all those combined isn't the norm. It was different. And so I was bullied because of it. Uh, pretty bad too, like getting checked illegally and on purpose and all that stuff being, you know, verbally harassed a lot of the times. But, you know, so at the, again, the present was looking bad and the future was not looking good. But I, again, I couldn't see it. And so his promises did not seem true. Um, but because of this, I was able to grow. Just like Leah's friend and just like Mary and Martha, I was able to grow in getting bullied in JV. In JV lacrosse, it was preparing me emotionally and physically and spiritually to face the bullying that is to come on varsity. And to face the criticism of being of faith in a high school, in a public high school. And so I grew a lot emotionally, I grew a lot spiritually. And then we're in the fifth game of the season. So we've gone through winter training. We've gone through the first part of the season. We're on game five, right? And I play the normal way I play. I don't do anything special or anything like that. I just play the way the Lord has given me the ability to play. And um, I remember that was a good game. Uh, we won and I had a, some few good plays on there. And so it ends up the head coach of the varsity team and the head coach of the JV team come walking up to me. And they and the head coach of the varsity team looks at me. His name's Coach K, and he looks at me and he says, "We like what we see. I'll see you on Monday at whatever time it was that varsity practiced at. And when you get there in the locker room, I'll give you your practice penny and your jerseys. Congratulations! I'll see you on see you on Monday." Shakes my hand and walks off. And you know the big eyes from the coach, from the JV coach, and congratulations, and all my friends, and congratulations, and even those who bullied me were happy. I don't know if they were happy that I was leaving, or uh, if they were actually happy for me, but it doesn't matter to me. I was crazy because right when that happened, I knew that God was good, and that His promises are true, just as He said He would raise me up in His perfect timing and for His goodness. And that's exactly what happened. And it was so much better. Because the thing is, you're like, oh, well, someone got hurt. No one on varsity was hurt before that game. So they didn't need another deep hole. Two, it is unheard of. It has never happened before where a varsity player was pulled up in the middle of the season. They're pulled up at tryouts or they're pulled up right before play, right during playoffs or right before playoffs start for a extra body and for those who are expected to come up the next the following year, right? So it never happens that someone's pulled up mid-season. And so for the Lord to bless me in that way and to be pulled up in that way and to feel, you know, not like I was, you know, oh, I tried out. Because I tried out, I made it with the three other guys because three other guys ended up making it on varsity. Um, through tryouts and the three that were expected to go. I was the fourth that didn't make it because I didn't try out, right? And so they didn't need a, they didn't need a fourth because they didn't pull up anyone else. But I was chosen and I was I had a personal conversation with the coach and I had a personal moment with my dad because of it and it felt special in that way, unlike it would have if I got pulled up through tryouts. So it was even better. Promises that the Lord gives us do come true. They might not come true right away or how we think they're going to come true, but they do. 
and it's always better because he knows the future and he is good. Now let's quickly go through this last question because we've kind of answered it already, but it's, is does God have perfect timing? Well, let's just look back at the stories. Lazarus, how could that be perfect timing? He died. Perfect timing that he waited four days to make sure that everyone thought he was dead and then bring him back to life so everyone could have grown, had time to grow in their faith and spiritually. Again, lacrosse, perfect timing. It was better timing that way because I was given a very special gift of a personal pull-up than a tryout pull-up. Uh, Leah's friend who lost her baby in childbirth, how can that be perfect timing? Well, if that didn't happen, all those babies that would have died to abortion due to struggling pregnancies or anything of that nature, the perfect timing of her baby passing when it did and giving her the chance to become a Christian counselor and save those specific babies, there's no more perfect timing than that. And you can just look in the Word, open the Word, open the open the Bible, look through Scripture, and watch as story after story has perfect timing within it. He is the future. He knows the future. He is omnipresent. And that future is good for us. And it might not be in the present, and it might not be in the near future, but the future is going to be good because he is good and he is the future so to wrap this up to those who have not given their life to Christ I want to ask you why why not we know he has perfect timing we know his promises are true and they're kept and the promises that he made you those ten promises that we went over are for you too if you receive Christ and receive your salvation and we know he's a good, good father. It might not be in your present moment. Right now, you could be going through something. You could be going through a divorce. You could be throwing through death. You could be going through an addiction. You could be going through a denial of anything. And it might not be good now. But there's a reason. And your good, good father knows that reason. And he's prepared a future for you where nothing but good comes out of it. Why haven't you given your life to Christ? He's waiting. You want to spend eternal life? Go back through those 10 promises. Eternal life is one of them. You can receive your eternal life right now. I'm going to give you a chance right now to receive Christ as your Heavenly Father. So if you feel, if you've gone through this and you feel like this is your time and you feel like the Lord is nudging you and you've got a feeling that this is it, you to repeat after me I want you to again put your hands together close your eyes bow your head take off your hat in respect of speaking to the Lord and we're going to give our life to Christ just repeat after me dear Lord I believe I believe in you I believe that you died on the cross and you rose again three days later I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you are the one and only God. And I know you love me. I give my life to you always from today to forever.
You are my Lord and Savior. I love you. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, then you have given your life to Christ and received the promise of everlasting life. That promise to you just came true because now that you prayed that prayer, you are going to heaven. And you're going to spend eternity and everlasting life with him up in heaven. And I know that the Lord's presence, his spirit, has just dwelled within you and just made a home within you. And now he's not going everywhere. Again, that promise, he's never going to leave you. Well, now he can't because you let him in. And the door is locked and the windows are boarded up because he's staying. Because he loves you and he's a good father and can't wait to show you all the promises that he's going to answer for you. And he's going to show you all of his perfect timing and all the love that he has for you. If you continue to follow him and continue to dive in, get yourself a Bible if you don't already have it and jump in. Find those 3,000 promises because those promises are yours as well. Now that you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, go find a community because just like you, struggling, growing through pain and through hard presence and hard present timing, they're going through the same thing. So do it together because you're stronger together. When two or more are together in his name, he is present. Now go and find them. Find a community, find a church, for it is his home. Find community, open up the word, and study who you just let in. Prove to yourself who he is, for he wants to get to know you, and he's he's been waiting for you to get to know him. Oh, I'm so happy for you guys. This is a big moment. This is the biggest decision in your life. I'm so happy for you. I'm so proud of you. For those who are here listening, thank you again for listening. If you're recurring, Thank you for coming back um, and listening again. Literally, you guys, it's continuing to grow. Every time an episode comes, it grows. I can't thank you guys enough. Um, if the Lord is leading you, leading you, please leave a like. I forgot to say this before. Please leave a like. Um, leave a comment. Uh, whatever the Lord is speaking to you. You know, if you want to put down that, you know, you just received Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would love to hear it. Uh, share it with as many people as you can we got to get this out there. Get the word of the Lord and what he's speaking through me out to those who need to hear it. So send it to a loved one. Send it to a friend. Um, and let them hear this opportunity of giving their life to Christ. Again, thank you guys for listening. I love you guys. You know the Lord loves you. Um, and we'll be back with another episode next time. I'll see you.